Wing Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. And welcome to the deck here, Sun and Fun Radio, liveatc.net slash SNF. We are here doing a podcast live, uh, Stuck Mike Avcast Live, that's liveatc.net slash SNF. We're actually going to start our show a little bit earlier today. Uh, We have a few guests coming up here and going to be joining me shortly. Uh, We have, uh, and some other people will be Skyping in throughout the evening uh, for different segments. My name is Carl Valeri. I'm the host of the Stuck Mike Avcast, a podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. You know, we're really excited to be here at Sun and Fun, Sun and Fun 2021. Uh, we, We just absolutely love spreading the joy of aviation. You know, I've been talking to some folks, and they've been telling me out there that this is actually one of the the best shows they've had ever, Uh, and I just found out from another vendor just now that they they are actually telling us the same thing. But uh, before we begin, just a quick word from our sponsor. Really like to thank our sponsor here at Stuck Mike Avcast. That is the College of Aeronautics at Spartan, Spartan College of Aeronautics, for sponsoring both Sun and Fun Radio and the Stuck Mike Avcast. They're providing 50 free scholarship guides to our podcast listeners by simply visiting stuckmikeavcast.com slash free. That's stuckmikeavcast.com slash free. You know, if you're ready for your aviation career to take off, visit spartan.edu to find out how you can accelerate your career in aviation. Established in 1928, Spartan College of Aeronautics and Technology is one of the nation's first technical training schools for aviation and pilots. Spartan College has trained over 100,000 pilots during its over 90-year history. With the purchase of 32 new Piper Archers, you will train using the newest technology in the industry. To find out more, visit spartan.edu. Spartan College of Aeronautics and Technology will accelerate your aviation career and help you reach new heights. Spartan is, again, the sponsor of both Stuck Mike Avcast and Sun and Fun Radio. So thanks again for Spartan for all you do to support the aviation community. And now on to the cruise flight. And again, I said this is a special edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. We have a couple of people that will be actually calling in and Skyping in uh, to the show throughout this evening. Uh, I'm going to be joined by a co-host, Tom Frick. And also uh, we're going to have Russ Wazleski is going to join us. Eric Crump at some point is going to join us on the deck also. And, uh, and then the next guest we're going to have, not part of the podcast, but we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Sun and Fun Radio, and that's going to be Dave Shalbetter. We also want to talk a little bit about inspiring young aviators and pursuing aviation careers as aviation and a hobby. And then on the next segment, the last segment, before we go to the night air show, by the way, the night air show, it starts at 7.30 tonight, right here at Show Center. And you can listen to that right now here on liveatc.net slash SNF. liveatc.net slash SNF. 
The Sun and Fun 2021 experience is what we're going to finally finish up with at the end. And we're going to reflect on our favorite exhibits, experiences, air show performers, and online experiences. And we're going to do that with Dave Pasco, and also we'll probably have on uh, coming on some of the other airplane geeks, folks. And we'll, we may have a special guest this evening, for, um, and we're, we're looking to get them from the field here for a, a really special announcement that hopefully is going to happen in, in the future here with what's going on here at Sun and Fun. Uh, hey, Russ, how's it going, man? Doing great, Carl. Been a great show. Uh, almost sad it's over. Yeah, well, almost over. Too. I guess oh, it's not quite well, over. It's not really over. I mean, nah. we've got a whole other day left. And uh, oh man, check out those airplanes. I love airplane noise, don't you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the airplane noise. The uh, you know we've got a, a few taking off right now. This is a great place to be. Yeah. You know, I was just telling everybody uh, that we uh, we had the air show, and this is typical of live radio. Uh, we had the air show that actually had a cutout early. And, uh, and then they decide to, to let us come on. So I've been here for a few minutes hanging out with my, my friends here, my other co-hosts. Again, we have Tom Frick that will be as dialed in, and he'll be on uh, fairly shortly. Uh, before we get to our topic, though, I just wanted to uh, say thanks to Russ and also uh, thanks to everybody else here that volunteers with the Stuck Mike Avcast. Russ has been out there doing interviews, but he's also been doing a lot behind the scenes. We also have uh, Robert Sigliano, who's been doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Rick Felty, the support of Victoria Nouvel, Sean Moody's out there. He's also uh, giving us quite a bit of support. We may actually have Bill English might come on later, but we appreciate what he's done with all the different uh, field interviews. Uh, but uh, anyway, Russ, uh, welcome to the deck. Before we get started, uh, just want to talk a little bit about you know your uh, your experience here this this morning. I think uh, it's a testament to uh, how well they've advertised, but how much people want to come out here. Man, there's a lot of folks here, isn't there? There are so many people here today. Uh, you know, throughout the week, you know, Tuesday started off. You know, it seemed like it was a pretty decent showing, especially considering, you know, all the you know, COVID and all that kind of stuff. We didn't really know what to expect on the first day. But it seemed like it was pretty decent. A lot of airplanes, not a whole lot of people, you know, especially the locals and such. But as we went through the week, excuse me, as we went through the week, the... Uh, the numbers just kept increasing. And then, of course, with any of these air shows, you get to the weekend, you know, Saturday and Sunday, and you get a whole lot more locals around, not just people <laughs> yeah. who flew in, you know, or, or real aviation buffs, but just people who, who live around here and decide, hey, we need something to do this weekend. Let's go to the air show. So today, Saturday, it's been packed. I mean, <laughs> you, you think, pandemic? There is no such thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there are so many people here. It's it's almost hard to walk around, you know, and to get anywhere in a timely fashion. You know, the lines for food and all pretty long, yeah. but but it's also been great to see. Oh yeah, yeah, it has been great to see because uh, I think w one of the things that we've been thinking about as a society is, man, is this really going to happen? Is this going to going to really come back? But I think I think it has. You know, Russ, uh, I was told here that Tom Frick is now joining us uh, on Skype and is just just dialed in. So. Uh, We'll just uh, put him on. Tom, hey, man, are you there? Ha welcome uh, to the podcast. Hello, Carl and Russ. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes, I can hear absolutely. you fine. Yeah. Tom, this is exciting having you uh, on the podcast. I know uh, you couldn't come because of other uh, personal readings and reasons, and uh, we actually are, are so glad that uh, you were able to join us, and we want to just say we appreciate everything you've done, especially here at uh, the show at uh, Stuck Mike Avcast, but also Sun and Fun Radio been done a great job here uh also uh, we have the chairman of sun and fun radio just uh he, he's been on the deck but he's going to come in 
and talk to us a little bit later about the history of Son of Fun in about another half hour. But just say hello, if you don't mind, uh, Mr. David Shalbetter, chairman of Son of Fun Radio. Hello, David Shelbetter, chairman of Son of Fun Radio. And, uh, did I say my line right? You did pretty good. You did pretty good. <laughs> Hello, hey, Carl Valeri. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, wonderfully well. We uh, actually had the air show end early, so we jumped on the microphone. I'm okay and, with that. Uh, yeah, and uh, I tell you, this has been one heck of a week. It's been wonderful, hasn't it? It has. It has. Great seeing everybody. And yeah, we keep talking last year, last year, and we're like, oh, wait, no, it's not. It was two years ago. We get back here, and it's like we never left, you know, and it's it good really to see is. everybody. And it, I heard you thanking Tom, and that's kind of why I stepped up. I wanted to take a minute and thank you. Um, you know, I'm sure you're stuck. My listeners know you are co-chairman of Sun and Fun Radio, co-chairman of Live Air, and you have really stepped up to the plate and, and given me the opportunity to be a chairman and not on-the-air talent. I'm a little jealous because I'm not an on-the-air talent this year as much as I've been in the past. Hey, but come join me. I am grateful that you are taking over for me so I can be a chairman. Cool. So thank you. And yeah. um, I look forward to talking to you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But, I, I, hey, we appreciate everything you do. And uh, especially, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody knows about. And, and you, he's just hit it out of the park. Uh, our first segment, like I said, I've already introduced that. But uh, if you're just joining us now on liveatc.net slash SNF, uh, we're here live at Sun and Fun 2021. Uh, if you have to step away, don't worry. This will actually be an episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast later. Our first topic this evening is one that actually Rick Felty uh, added to this uh, list, and it's, it's really about aviation training. He asked, is aviation training keeping up with the accelerating advances in aviation technology? We're also going to have Rick, uh, uh, Eric Crump, excuse me, join us a little bit later to talk about that. But what we're doing is putting in the context also of our experiences here at Sun and Fun and, and how that relates to this topic. So uh, first, I really want to, I, I kind of want to have uh, Tom Frick chime in about this because Tom's really involved in, in aviation training in many different ways in, in online uh, and also in person uh, with a couple of different uh, things that he does. But you know, Tom, what do you think? Do you think uh, the training environment is keeping up with all these accelerated advances in technology? Um, yeah, I think they are. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's funny how, like, you know, I, was, I got into flying right at the transition when everything was transitioning over from dials to flat screens. And, you know, I did all of my training. Um, I did my entire private in the G1000 and then, you know, uh, my instrument as well. And, and I really didn't even fly a, um, a steam gauge uh, airplane until... I was already working on my instrument, you know, so the, um, the training at the time may not have been as up to speed as it is now because there was a lot of people who were still trying to quote unquote figure it out, but I've seen it more and more. And as, um, different companies have come up with different, um, solutions for people to put into their airplanes, especially with the advent of ADSB, a lot of people considered upgrading and, and, and putting better technology in their, on their, uh, on their panels and you know it, it really um, forced people to create good documentation and, and um, you know um, training manuals that uh, people could catch up and, and use this stuff and one of the things that I've seen that I really like about this is like we're all kind of doing the same stuff when we're flying so a lot of these um, different um, electronic solutions you know they, they're kind of like all the same they, they, they have similar structures to them as far as what phase of flight that you're flying in, which kind of makes it, um, you know, in my world, I jump sometimes from technology to technology, maybe flying a G1000 one day and then over into some Avidyne stuff and some Dynon stuff and then into some 
you know, um, Aspen stuff. And it, it's it's um, amazing how they do have differences, but a lot of the structure is the same in all those things. So I, I do. I believe uh, some of the training is keeping up with the technology. You know, it's going to be hard for you to answer this question. Um, and I'm not sure if you've been able to, to notice from afar. Uh, have you seen that impact here at Sun and Fun? And I'm asking that question for a reason because I'm wondering how you're able to experience Sun and Fun from where you are. Yeah, so like I I have been listening to Sun and Fun Radio. I've been listening to some of the uh, the different um, uh, interviews, and I've also been you know just kind of perusing. You know, a lot of the a lot of the um, manufacturers are are stepping up their game as far as putting out ads. So I'm getting lots of emails from all sorts of different companies about, hey, we're doing this seminar. Hey, we're doing this seminar. And, and hey, you can check this out and join us at Sun and Fun. And so there, there's a lot of good information that's floating around out there, even for somebody who's not there at the show. Even like a jealous guy like me who's been listening to the airplane noises in the background just going, oh, I really wish I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's so wonderful. I love hanging out at the airport here. And uh, but but you're right. I mean, it really has. I think it's uh, it's changed, and it's also you're seeing it right here reflect. As a matter of fact, Russ, let me have you uh, chime in on this. I mean, do do you feel that it's keeping up? And what has your experience been here? Yeah, I, I agree with Tom uh, on you know as far as you know new technologies and keeping up with them. I think we we see some some great things with uh, with online training. You know, for for avionics. Uh, yeah, with with apps, you know, I mean, I, example, I have a customer who's getting all this new Garmin equipment put in his airplane. I haven't used it before, but I can download an app onto my iPad that simulates the equipment he's getting free for free <laughs> for free from Garmin, <laughs> you know, and and uh, and I can practice using it. He can practice using it. We can kind of talk about the, and we can train up on how to use the equipment he's going to have in his airplane before it's even installed. And to me, that's just amazing because, you know, in the past, of course, you had at least you had to wait until the, air, the equipment was there. But then you usually had to be physically in the airplane to even practice using it. And that's not necessary anymore, no. which is which is a great aid to training. Uh, I also want to say definitely uh, if you take this question twisted a little bit different way as far as uh, accelerating advances in technology and how it's affecting aviation training itself. I mean, we've seen this last year that we've had. Uh, you know, Zoom training going on. <laughs> Whoever thought that would be a year ago today? Who who thought we'd be we'd be doing ground school with a student in our own house? You know, different houses or across the country or whatever. And you know, we've we in aviation have reacted to what we have for a situation, and we've made it work. Nobody, I, I can't physically sign ground instruction in his logbook. I can't do it. No, no, that's not really the case. We can do it via you know Zoom or, or whatever. And, and get these things done and, and screen I've, I've used screen sharing I mean I've helped people fill out IACRA by zoom you wow. know and and done it with you know screen sharing and control of each other's screens and that whole thing and who would have thought so there are many many examples just like this that we've seen in the last year and especially here at Sun and fun we've seen examples of flight simulation technologies um, that that are Continuing to be an increasing part of all flight training. I mean, there are, I, I'm sure there's some study somewhere, but I've talked to lots of people who do significantly more flight simulation as part of their private pilot training, instrument rating, and so on than than I did. Certainly, uh, I did virtually none. 
but uh, you know, it's becoming more and more of a thing, and people are getting more and more training on a simulator before they even get out to the actual airplane in some cases. That's helping them both from a technology standpoint, but the technology itself is advancing so much that's it's helping us from a physical standpoint. And I'd like to hear your, you know, actual opinion on this one. Multi-engine training, you know, multi-engine training. A lot of it's all about single engine. Mm -hmm, um, true. How do you feel? Since I I know just the one sim I get in every year and the twin that I train in, uh, it's amazing what the technology can do. It's it's like being really in the airplane. How does that how has that affected the new technologies? Maybe general aviation in the simulators. Have you seen any new advancements? Uh, I, I have definitely. I mean, you can walk around here at Sunnyfun, which of course <laughs> most of our listeners aren't going to be able to do that, unfortunately. But but maybe at that other event to the north right. uh, later yeah. in the year, hopefully. Mentioned. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I mean, you can see these these simulation technologies and, and multi-engine training, like you brought up, is something I have been doing a lot of recently. Right. Now, I don't have access to a simulator that's as useful as I would like for this purpose, but I can definitely see you know, some of the things we've seen here at Son of Fun being used, oh my goodness, to drill in those engine out procedures to get it so that in a simulator, you can fail the engine at three feet above the ground or, you know, and really fail it, not like, you know, simulating at 500 feet above the ground, all this kind of thing. So you really build in that muscle memory of what you need to do in a piston twin when that engine fails. And then later after they've got the basic muscle memory, then you transition into the airplane and they get much, uh, you know, uh, quicker training, much less expensive, you know, paying hundreds of dollars an hour you know, in, in the airplane. So I, I'm excited about that. I think it's a great change, a great move. Uh, I just wish I could take more advantage of it. Yeah, the advances in technology also help us uh, with crswind training. I know they they even have crosswind trainers out there that really I've gotten seen those. better and better. And uh, it's uh, Tom. I think you saw one, but it's Redbird. Redbird has a, a really cool crosswind trainer, uh, and, and you can go on the internet on Redbird's uh, website, and they're not a sponsor of this podcast. And check out uh, the little crosswind trainer. I think it's really cool. Tom, I was wondering, did you have any experience uh, like? with that crosswind trainer and also i'd like to hear you chime in on the multi-engine training and the simulators and if that's uh, the new technologies have helped there so um as far as a crosswind trainer i haven't used one per se although i did have access to a a redbird um device uh, at one of the flight schools i was at and and would definitely um put them in you could you could really feel a crosswind and and see a crab angle coming down on a runway in a simulator and in one that's a full motion it, it would start rocking you around um you know we used to keep uh comfort bags inside the redbird because if somebody started gyrating that thing they sometimes it'd get them a little I, feeling a little uneasy I, i've had people yes same situation i've had you know? people in there get a little bit queasy in in, yeah. in redbird sure you know it we talk Absolutely. about technology so, uh tom just i was going to interrupt real quick i'm sitting here and as you're talking uh, Russ is actually looking up that Redbird simulator. I am. And he's, he's making faces well, at me. So, well, wow, I, this I, is so I was cool. unfamiliar with it. So, I mean, it was very simple. I Googled Red, uh, Redbird crosswind trainer and it came right up. But, yeah, it's very interesting. So, Tom, you were going to say? Oh, I was just going on with like with the multi-engine training. Um, any any um, you know, 
ground-based device that you can use to, that'll that'll give you, like Russ was saying, good muscle memory to to uh, before you get in an airplane. Saves money, saves time, and and gives you an opportunity to train things that um, you may not be able to do in an aircraft. I mean, that was one of the things with the simulator I just mentioned. You know, it was, you know, I could take people up and I would put them in engine-out situations and make them land it out in a field somewhere. You know, it's something that you wouldn't do in an airplane you wouldn't just shut an engine off and say what are you going to do flyboy you know and 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 see what how, how it ends out so um you know there, there there was all sorts of different scenarios in the in in a, in a simulator environment that i could do that i wouldn't do in a plane i did lots of transitions for people going from steam gauges over to g1000 because so many people were like oh my god i, I don't know if i can do this and you know he'd spend a bunch of time in a simulator and by the time they got in the plane they're like Hey, this thing's pretty cool, you know, and, and, and it is pretty cool. So that that would, uh, you know, help people with their confidence before they, like Russ was saying, go out and spend hundreds of dollars an hour to um, get training that um, is effective, but not quite as effective. And one of the things we've seen in the Redbird simulators, especially on the collegiate level, is is those have advanced to the point where we're actually talking to air traffic control. That's something that we've seen at home. Uh, they have a thing called VATSIM, and, uh, and we're starting to see that within the collegiate environment. You know, a lot of people talk about oh YouTube and that that I mean that's so so yesterday and ten years ago that's there's so much better than than YouTube. Not saying that there aren't some great experiences there, uh, and that um, not putting that down at all because there are so many ways for people to share uh, what they're doing, especially with approaches, etc. Both on YouTube, Twitch, uh, what else, Twitter Live or whatever. Uh, Periscope, I guess, uh, showing my age, uh, but there's so many different ways for us to actually, ex you know, show people. Hey, let me show you an approach I did the other night. Record it, shoot it up to YouTube, shoot it over to them. Do it, do that actual approach with them live, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. I have used uh, YouTube, well, as a viewer, <laughs> uh, for exactly that. Uh, I was there was a one particular approach I wanted to show a student. I literally found someone flying it on YouTube, that exact procedure I was looking for, wow. and showed it to them, and it, and it was it was great. It really said they go, oh, I see what you're talking about, and it was the exact procedure. It was amazing. I think you know one of the things that's that's helped me especially is when I'm looking up technologies uh, in in aviation, no matter what it may be, because we're always learning, no matter how how many hours we have. I will do a search, and my gosh, the first thing that comes up is a YouTube video. True. And I tell you what, those videos are pretty good. They're getting better. People are doing a really good job, uh, on, and they keep your interest. And what happens is they start putting up other ones that are similar. So if you're looking up, you know, the ILS to runway two three, uh, you will actually see that. Uh, not that they have the ILS to two three here anymore. Or the ILS to five. I really am <laughs> dating myself. <laughs> I was about to say Lakeland, though it's not here anymore. But it, it's amazing how you can actually see the ILS to runway five at Lakeland on a video, and it's not been here for years. And that's what's another thing I love about it. It's actually storing all that information. And uh, I've been really excited about putting more and more videos out to help my students. Uh, one of the things I do a lot of is interview preparation, and, and I love putting out those technical things that help all students, instrument students, et cetera. And that's, that's been exciting. 
I would, of course, caution any any of our listeners and any YouTube, <laughs> any YouTube viewers, you know, period. That you know, understand. Of course, anybody can put anything on YouTube, yes. right? And and there are definitely we've seen some really bad examples of how to fly. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you know, we're not going to name any names <laughs> here, but you know, certainly you have videos that I would not want any of my students to watch because oh, don't yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that either. So. A little bit of discretion, of course, is recommended on those kind of things. But but if you're if you are in some kind of training and you are working with an instructor, or if you have a former instructor that you that whose judgment you trust and such, you know, get their recommendation on things. They should have, they should probably have some kind of list of you know channels that are good for this purpose. So, Rush, you read my mind. It was my segue into oh, the next great. part of this right segment. On. Is uh, as far as keeping up technology, keeping up. There's some some negative parts to this. Russ just gave a perfect example of that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there on YouTube, of course, uh, just in, in general on the internet. And yes, we can learn a lot, but but vet that. The other thing I think that can uh, can actually be tough for people is the the commentary that's online. Uh, you know, oh, we see it on, yeah, on Facebook, yeah. et cetera. And if you're someone that's looking to learn something, uh, don't be discouraged by all the negative comments. And you know what? I'm going to be really transparent. I was on YouTube. I started doing videos a long time ago to help out some of my students. Uh, you know, I wanted to do a review from one of my clients on an SR-22. I wanted to do, talk about some things about constant speed propellers. Little did I know that a whole bunch of people were going to watch it. And, uh, you know, it was one of those videos, you know, I was just doing for one or two people and, and hundreds of thousands of people watched it. But I got discouraged to put more videos out because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a great video, but it was helping people. And there was the comments that were, were very hurtful. And what we have to do is with this new technology, this is the negative side of the technology and how it does hurt us, is that it hurts us internally by the comments people make. I mean, there's some really nasty things that have nothing to do with the video that they'll say. Yeah, those YouTube comments sometimes can just be a complete wasteland of, of just appalling uh, thought, can't they? Yeah, and doesn't that hurt sometimes, the, the training? Because if you tell someone to go out there and watch a YouTube video and then they, they actually ask a question and then somebody, they attack that person and ask a question who happened to be your student. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's, that's where this technology, even though it's terrific, uh, actually has gone a different route. So we want you know everybody to have you know a great environment, obviously a safe environment, as they say. Um, but uh, but mostly you know I, I, people are like oh you got to have a thick skin, but you know it, sometimes your your skin just definitely not that thick enough. And Tom, uh, I'd like you to to chime in this because you're the one that actually kind of told me I uh, and this is years ago that I need to keep going and need to keep uh, making those videos because because remember I was doing a series and I stopped at number two because. Because I got so discouraged. So, in your opinion, you know, how has this technology in general negatively impacted our training? Yeah, and you know, I mean, you guys described it pretty elegantly. And and you know, without getting too crazy about it, 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 as long as it's a public forum and there's somebody who can jump in there anonymously and and say whatever they want, they will. You know, and then so it's it's being able to discern what is good information and what is just garbage, you know, and, and sometimes it's hard to do that, you know, so that's why, you know, as a, as a flight instructor, I, I encourage students to go out and get as much information as they possibly can and then come back to me and, and say, let me know what it is they found out and let me help them weed through what is good information and what is garbage, you know, so, um, cause, cause they will, they'll come back and go, Hey, I saw this guy and he said, Oh, you're supposed to do it this way. And you, you, you're not supposed to do this. And that's not what you're teaching me. And, and I can go through, 
through and I can explain to them why the way that I'm teaching them is better than what they saw or a shortcut they may have seen on a YouTube video somewhere. So, you know, it's, it's all about, it's, it's all about discretion and all about being able to go through and, and pick out the information that's good for it. And like I said, those of us, you know, Russ is a great CFI, Carl, you're a great CFI, you know, I try to be a great CFI, you know, and it's like with those things, I want to help my students as much as I can. And I don't ever want to discourage them from being able to go out and find information because that's what I was doing. And then I would take that information and go back and start asking questions and try to make sure that I f would figure out what is good, what is garbage. And you know what? There's always going to be haters and that's just the way that it is in a public forum. And, and I, I wish there was a way around that, but there's really not. Yeah. You know, Tom, you, you brought up again, the, uh, the quantity of, of training or training type material out there. And, you know, 20 years ago, it was, well, what trained videos would you want? Did you want John and Martha King or do you want Sporties <laughs> or Jeppesen, I suppose? You know, I mean, you know, one or two others maybe, right? But that was it. And so everybody kind of had their preference, but there were only three, four, five choices, right? Uh, now here, oh, my goodness, how many, how many, not even just talking about, you know, people just posting their flying videos online, but how many people do you have that are actually providing legitimate training material? Dozens, hundreds, I have no idea. It's impossible to keep track. So the, the choices are almost so ma so vast that you have to you know, almost just kind of pick one and go with it, wouldn't you say? I mean, you, there, there are just so many choices, and you know, we all have our preferences on how information is presented and such. I actually did uh, a little bit of, I don't know what you call it, beta testing of a couple of videos for one of the, the providers. And, and he, he had asked me for feedback on his compared to another competitor's videos. And I said, well, I like these aspects of this, but not so much this. And you're, you were doing good on this, but not so much here. And so we kind of just have to find, hey, I like this provider, this channel, this website, whatever, and almost stick with them and maybe use the other one just to kind of flesh things out. But yeah, you know, it's, it's like having two watches and not knowing what time it is, right? If you have two or three or a hundred different instructional videos and they're teaching things a little bit differently, which one do you stick with? I have a client who almost anytime he hears some new little training tip or advice, parrots it back. And I'm like, you know, you got all these things in your head. You, know, <laughs> you need to pick one and go with it. You know, are you going to are you going to use trim in a steep turn or are you not going to use trim in a steep? You can do it either way, but, you know, pick one, you know, so. So with all these choices comes kind of that, oh, I don't paradox of choice or paralysis of choice or something one of those uh, you know psychology type terms, where you just you can't decide what to do. Yeah, I I'd have to agree. It's uh, it, that is actually you know one of those negatives. But one of the positives of that too, is that a lot of people are posting online and uh, and you also can talk to instructors and vet instructors, uh, and that's another part I wanted to quickly talk about is the fact that before we have to go to a break is the fact that one of the other positives to this is I can have a conversation face-to-face -face with an instructor, uh, and I can maybe even see them online. And, you know, something that they say gets through to me. It might be the way they say it, and I connect with them, uh, but it's a great, great way to find out how we connect. And I think your point, Russ, is that there is so much out there, but that's good because there's so many different types of people, and we all learn in different ways. And I think it's terrific, and that rising tide definitely floats all boats. I hope you agree with that. Agree, yes.
One of the, and Tom, you know, I, I know you've worked with a lot of online training providers, and, and yes, you are a really good instructor. I've seen you on on many of the videos online and and through a, another provider. I'm not sure if we can say who that is. I, I didn't get a permission, but uh, Tom does a lot of work for for a certain provider online and has seen so many great benefits. And they are another one of those providers. And, you know, what do you think about you know like Russ's statement saying you know you got to pick one. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think I think the term that he was trying to come up with is uh, paralysis by analysis. You know, that might be so it. It, it, it. it. It's definitely. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 funny because as he was talking, I mean, I was just trying to wrap my head around just how much information is out there. And, you know, in our world. All right. We're we're podcasters. Right. So we, we put out a podcast twice a month. Carl. Well, you work real hard at doing that. But, I mean, you can go out there and, you know, um, there's rankings on on podcasts for aviation. And I had no idea that there was literally hundreds of them out there, you know. Oh, so, I mean, there's they're just in that world where you can pick up somebody and you can listen to a 15, 20-minute, half-hour, hour show of, of people talking about aviation and pulling out information out of that you know, it, it's it's mind-boggling how much information is out there. And then, you know, when I see all these different podcasters, some of them are also in the video world as well. So they've got, you know, YouTube videos. And Russ is right. There's some out there that are, you know, it's it's credible instruction, you know. But you got to know which ones you can believe and which ones you can't. And that's that's what I was talking about before, about having a good CFI and somebody that you can bounce ideas off of and that you can – Go back and, and verify the information that you're getting so that it's working good in your training world. Great advice, Tom and, and, and Russ. And, you know, is aviation training keeping up with uh, accelerating advances in technology? Thank you, Rick Felty, for that question. Yeah, I think it is, but it's always going to evolve, and, uh, and we can't, you know, stop evolving, that's for sure. I would certainly challenge any uh, CFI who maybe has been a CFI for a long time and Maybe they're getting back into it because of the, the need for pilots um, to to look and find these new kind of training technologies and such that we're using now because they really did not exist more than 10 years ago, would you say? I mean, really, in, in the quantity we have here. So it's it's continuing education for CFIs as well to kind of up their game a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it really, having those examples out there, you can see how people have taken that and put it into their training. And you and you sat, sat there and you watch them teach and you say, where'd you get that from? And they'll tell you the video that they saw. I was like, that, I thought so, because I, I was watching that video also. Uh, well, we're gonna, at uh, just another minute, we're going to a break, but Tom, man, I, I hope you can stick around. Um, we, as you can hear in the background, those are airplanes and we kind of wish you were here to watch them with us. Yeah, I just keep hearing the noises thinking, oh man, I wanna, so, Luckily, I'm, I'm living in a part of the state here where there's a bunch of uh, um, departures out of Lakeland that have been coming over the house. So I've got to see a little bit of stuff, but nothing, no, no heavy iron. Well, there's a lot of different apps we can watch, we can look at and see what those aircraft are. Uh, we're doing a, a live show here with the Stuck Mike Avcast here at Sun and Fun 2021 on the deck. Uh, chats from the deck, uh, snfradio.com. Don't forget to go to stuckmikeavcast.com and get your free scholarships guide. You know, our sponsor, Spartan School of Aeronautics and Technology, is uh, actually sponsoring 50 of those scholarships guides. And you can get one for free or give one to your friends for free. stuckmikeavcast.com slash free. We're going to go to a break, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. 
Well, welcome back to the deck here at Sun and Fun Radio. I'm here doing a, a live podcast for the Stuck Mike Avcast, and joining us shortly is the chairman of Sun and Fun Radio, and that's Dave Shellbetter. And Dave's going to introduce a very special guest to the podcast. Hey, Dave. Hey, Carl. How you doing? I am doing wonderful. The deck actually just got a lot better looking since you've been here. Well, you know, I mean, that, that happens when Mike walks up. But but yeah, it wasn't you. <laughs> We had a running joke on that last or last event. So, <laughs> so I, I was I was looking forward to having my time mm-hmm. on your show, and I come to find out it got repoed. <laughs> my time got got taken away by by a man who steals airplanes for a living and wrangles tigers and pythons and all kinds of cool stuff. I'm gonna step back, and I'm gonna let you folks chat with Mike Kennedy. And the lovely Valerie Kennedy. I'm so glad to see you guys. This is for a chance I got to see you. And um, I hear you got some great stuff going on on Dragon Ranch. And I'm hearing sure rumors of a reboot. Well, you know, there's been no commitment. But, yes, it's we, we've been in discussions. And I know they've moved uh, our show back on to primetime again. It's been in daytime TV for the last couple of years. But it's back on primetime. And there, uh, we've been talking back and forth about starting some new episodes, so we're real excited about that. That's cool. I look forward to it. I look forward yeah, to seeing too. it. Yeah, me too. So it would probably be really handy if everybody who loves the show did a little shout-out to Discovery. I, You never know. It might be the thing that... I'm sure with COVID, um, many, you know, the production companies have kind of slowed down with what they're doing but things are starting to ramp up it, it might not hurt you know yeah, let them know that you love it right all right folks so reach out at discovery right discovery yes, network that's it reach out to discovery tell them that you want you want a repo repo you want it back <laughs> we now, want a repeat that's right now the the show and and i said this the last time we had you guys on the deck everybody talks to you about airplane repo but there's other work that you guys do that is so much so much so far what re- stealing planes for a living pays for the other work you do which is dragon ranch yes let's uh, tell us about dragon ranch well we have a non-profit uh 501c3 uh, organization that uh we rescue animals of all different kinds uh mostly wildlife but a lot of it is like we've got a white tiger that was in circus for 15 years and when the show call- closed down they called us and asked us if we could take him in. And, uh, you know, if an animal like an animal like that is very hard to place, and there's not oh, yeah. very many people that have the licensing and experience facilities and all that, take an animal like that. And now we're uh, not talking about we're not talking about a lap cat here. I mean, <laughs> no, how he's big 600 is pounds. 600 pounds. He's a white tiger, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's I mean, gorgeous, it, by the way. I love, it, I his, love seeing the photos you guys share. His forehead's two feet across, but, he, but wow. he's a big teddy bear. He just he wow. craves attention. But... You know, we were so thrilled to be able to give him a home for whatever he's got. He's an old cat. He was in the circus for 15 years. He's about 19 years old. And uh, he's just a big old lovable teddy bear. And we're so pleased to be in a position where we could let him live out his, his days at our house. Now, live out his days. What kind of lifespan does a cat that size You know, size I, I've have? seen him go in their early 20s. Uh, he, he's up there. Yeah. It, it could be tomorrow. It could be three years from now. But he definitely is in his twilight years, so yeah. to speak. But be a sad day when he does go because he, he's just a lovely animal yeah he's absolutely I, gorgeous i love how humble mike is because uh when we first got this cat well, you know when you have not raised an animal like that and it, you know tiger i mean 600 pounds you know i mean it's it's a formidable 
creature. And he would, the cat, when Mike would feed him, he'd get so upset over his food. I mean, just snarl and come at you. And, and Mike has slowly over time, you know, worked with the cat so he can go in the cage with them and, and has a relationship with them. Well, we've had the cat two years. We've had him two years, but I, I go in, I, I, I walk with him, take him for, for little walks, and I, I just, he just loves to lay and have his head rubbed and back scratched. And, but but you, you do have to be careful. Like she said, most of the animals we've had, or the big cats anyway, that we've had, we've raised from babies, and he came as an old animal. So you don't know intimately their personality, and they don't consider me a parent figure because we're strangers to each other, so we have to get to know each other. A mistake with any big cat can be... Pretty Fatal. inconvenient, yes. but a, a tiger's so big, he'll just kill you. So, yeah. Yeah. So and you, you have no idea, you, you, 16 years in a zoo, 19-year-old cat, you don't know where he was before he no. was in the act. No. You don't know how he was treated while he was in the act. You don't know if something you might do might yeah. be a trigger for him. So, yeah. wow, I'm, I'm so impressed. So, and, and Elvis, right? What the cat's name? Oh, hey, Hollywood. Hollywood, Hollywood, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's a good name. I'm sorry. I was, and, and now that's not the only animal you've got there. Do you, you, do you still have your uh, what is it, a big croc, big alligator? Yeah, we have several species of crocodiles. We have an American crocodile that's 14 feet. He's 1,000 pounds. He was a rescue for the state of Florida. We worked directly with uh, FWC on a program where when a crocodile gets in trouble or injured or it becomes a nuisance down in South Florida, the crocodiles only exist in the very southern tip of South Florida. And when one gets in trouble, we're only one of two or three people in the whole state that that rehabs them and cares for them. There's uh, lots now, are of... They, are they rehabbed and released back? Well, they, you know, they that's pretty the... pretty much permanent residents? You know, that's kind of the frustrating part because unlike alligators, which are very plentiful now, the alligators don't really get a whole lot of protection, but crocodiles are still a class two endangered species. So if one's in trouble or injured or so forth, he's got to be protected. But at the same time, once we've rehabbed him back to health, he can't ever be released back into the wild. So, he's too used to people, and he'll yeah. see somebody and come up to him and it, like. So like it's get a shame, yeah. you know. He he's been removed from the gene pool. He's of no use to his species. He might as well have just died out in that field where we went and rescued him. We're proud of of bringing him back to health because he was in very bad shape when we got him. So we're real proud of the success story. But truthfully, it wouldn't have made a whole lot of difference because the poor old guy's just going to live his life out at our house so the best we can hope for is that we'll get a female at some point and we can propagate them and put the babies back oh yeah yeah that's a great idea now i rescue dogs i I have five rescues i remember that yeah and and i always tell people rescue dogs seem to know that you rescued them and they love you all the more for it Mm. Do you think that your your croc knows that you saved you know, him, that you brought it, nursed him back I to do. health and stuff? The other crocodiles we have are regular farm farm bred crocodiles. We have Australian saltwaters, we have Cubans, we had a Nile, but we sold him. But they're all incubated or hatched in an incubator, or raised from babies. So they're used to being handled, used to being fed. This guy came to us as a wild adult. He was 13 feet long and 800 pounds when he came to our house. And the relationship I have for, with him now, he comes when I call, I can pet him on the head. I, I, I go in there, I, I'll be cleaning his pan with a weed eater, and I pick his tail up and move it out of my way. So can, <laughs> and he hisses a little bit and kind of moves over. But I can, hey, come on, man, I Yeah, but I can here. do about anything. He absolutely does not consider me a threat. And I really think it's from those months and months that we spent giving him antibiotics injections every day and bathing his wounds and just swabbing his his 
he had some real bad infections and so forth and and just coaxing him to eat it took us four months before he took his first morsel of food wow and we finally got him going I think he, he realized we we're a big okay, part these, of that. And he, yeah, these guys are okay. They're not going to hurt me. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, right. And so, he recognizes me from other people. I've learned a lot through him, uh, which oh, I didn't realize. I thought he was just, had just become passive towards people in general till I personally witnessed other people. No, actually, it was myself. I came up to his pen one day through the woods from behind the property, and he exploded off the bank and hit the water like a wild crocodile would do. And I realized it was because the direction I came from, he didn't know it was me. Ah. And I had no idea that he distinguished me from other people. Oh, wow. That's cool. And so. he likes to eat film crews, too. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a story behind that one. So, so the tiger and the crocodiles, several different crocodiles. Um, I know you had snakes. Do you still have your snakes and stuff, mm -hmm. too? Yep. We've got uh, king cobras, some Asiatic cobras, uh, uh, African gaboon viper, a couple of rattlesnakes. Just, just a few. Wow. Not, a, not a whole bunch anymore, but... So we're cool. very excited about expanding Dragon Ranch, and, and we just made a purchase over, probably don't know where Osteen, Florida is, but it's kind I, of... I do. You do? But only because I've looked you guys up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're between um, Orlando or Sanford and New Smyrna Beach, so we're, we're um, very near the East Coast, and we are excited because we're... We want to save more animals, of course, and we want to make it a, a more interactive place for other people to come and visit and see the animals we have. And, and um, it's, it's just a beautiful piece of property. So we're, we really want to share it and do some fundraising. So we will let you know when, when we have something coming up because, you know, Mike wants to get back to Africa. He wants to start flying, you know, with COVID the rhinos oh, and elephants have yeah. suffered so badly. Whoops, I'm playing with this cord. Did I just mess something up? Nope, not at all. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> something sounds different. But um, probably your headset. Yeah. yeah. So I I think that if we if our plans are successful, then um, we're going to put a lot more energy into the Africa project because it, it, it's dismal, the things that have happened during COVID. Really. Yeah, that because nobody is out there. Nobody's, nobody's it, exactly. out there protecting the part, the, now, now, I'm going to stop for a second. You Tell us what you do in Africa that's so important to that. Well, I work with Southern Africa Wildlife College, with Sand Park, South Africa National Park System, with uh, several of the private game reserves that are around uh, Kruger Park mostly, but other areas uh, of Southern Africa also. And they're actively involved in, in mostly anti-rhino poaching where we're at, but it, now that in other parts of Africa, elephants are, are being decimated and it's beginning to start happening in the areas we're working in too. It really wasn't a problem last time we were over there. It's beginning to be now. But specifically what I do is fly patrols in small little bush planes. We fly, there's several of us that do it, and we fly very specific grid patterns over these vast expanses of land, and we, we count the rhinos and elephants, and, and unfortunately the carcasses also, and, uh, and we relay that the information of wherever the animals are at back to the people on the ground, but it, it's, 
is so touchy there. The information we're relaying, of course, is a gold mine to the people that are looking for those animals. Unfortunately, yeah. So we don't relay it over the radio or while we're in the air. We'll stay in the air. We'll fly like four-hour shifts. And when we get back, we encrypt that information and send it off to the, the uh, field ranger's main station so they have all the coordinates and they know where to go out. So we're looking now the, for... the field rangers, and that's something, again, I remember from a previous interview, you were saying there's only, there, there's how many millions of square miles and only so many rangers? Yeah, Kruger National Park is the size of Massachusetts. It's like 2 million wow. hectares. It's a huge expense of land. There's like 200 guys trying to patrol it. So aviation is, is just essential. If you didn't have people in the air, poor guys on the ground, it, it's virtually, a needle in a haystack doesn't even cover it, you know. So being in the air helps. I mean, it's still vast, but it helps quite a bit. And I'm looking for incursions through the boundaries because most of the people that are coming over and doing this are coming out of Mozambique across the uh, the border. The, the the eastern border of Kruger National Park is also South Africa and Mozambique's border. Ah. And the poachers come across, mm-hmm. do their work, and then they just fade back across the border back into yeah. Mozambique. And they're virtually treated like folk heroes in Mozambique. And they face no repercussions over there. So we've got to catch wow. them while they're in South Africa. And but but being that you're are your aircraft marked as patrol aircraft? I mean, doesn't that make you targets? Yeah, especially because we're flying at 200 feet, just barely over the treetops, and we're flying in little bush planes. We're doing about 50. We're a pretty easy target. Wow. And wow. And, and it has happened. They oh, do use so some much. Kevlar and 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 things. If I use the right term, Mike's Mike's the Bond, Mister <laughs> Bond, not me. <laughs> That's right. You're gonna call up Oregon Arrow and order 200 Kevlar seat cushions. Something. <laughs> or some, yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting because if we see something actively going on or or track like the poachers may still be in there, we relay that information back right away. And Sand Park sends out the A Star with a commando team and a dog team in the wow. helicopter. And they'll land on on that trail and let the dogs out. And they're high-speed tracking dogs. They just let the dogs rip. And the dogs are tearing through the, the prairies there at 40 miles an hour, right through Prides of Lion and everything. And and the guys get back in the helicopters. And the dog handler will be sitting in the front of the helicopter next to the pilot and pointing out. He says, don't, don't follow that dog. He lost the trail. Keep on that one. And they just... And in no time at all, they've run these guys down because they can't outrun those dogs. And they wow. have and tracking dogs, like uh, like a these blue tick, blue tick hounds. hounds that, yeah. But then they have the these beagles apprehension the, dogs. Yeah, they use the Malinois. <laughs> the retained, yeah, the, the yeah. dogs are as essential as the airplane. The dogs are flipping amazing. Yeah. yeah. So. so now you're. I'm gonna I'm gonna digress a little bit. I mean that's really cool, and and thank you for what you're doing because not enough people in the world appreciate what you do or why you do it and yeah. it's so important um your hundred you mentioned your new hundred acres is yes. that adjacent to dragon ranch or is that a new location totally new location and we back up to um probably 1500 acres of of re, uh, reserve area so it, it, you can't go on the property without seeing uh, deer and and wild turkeys oh, it. and oh, it's beautiful property. And yeah, it, it really is. And so we want to to build cottages for people to come and stay. So we we hope that you know once we get to that point, we can get the word out. We're near the um, there's a, a trail that traverses Florida east to west coast. Starts in NASA, goes to St. Pete, and they're almost finished with it. And our home is about three miles from that trail. Very nice. So maybe there's a you know, a trek in, in 
in our future, you know, to to invite people to, you know, awareness of animals and, and get, make it a destination for people to come and stay. And That would be great. Just the ecotourism thing so well, that having, we can put the money into the animals. Having that much more room, we, we can provide even more service and more work. Like, you know, we work So you're with, moving Dragon Ranch to yep, the yeah, We are. Sure. Okay. Like, like working with the crocodiles and providing a home for the circus animals and so forth, there's a need for a lot of, th like, like when a mother bear gets run over on a highway, oftentimes FWC just ends up having to euthanize Whole, whole groups of cubs because they don't have anywhere to put them. They don't right. have anywhere to take care of them. And, uh, now, will you have like free range areas for your animals, like something like that, like the bear cubs you bring in? You keep them until they're until they're strong enough to be on their own. But will they have free range so they can be go back into the wild, or will they well, wind up being pet? Well, being residents? fish and game has such extraordinary, you know, strict rules, of course, about caging, but. I, uh, bears, interestingly enough, and raccoons are in the same family, right? So I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So bears, um, once they've imprinted to humans, it's very difficult to to uh. save them and not let them imprint. And I think they also can be taken, say, a grown bear taken from its area where it's being a nuisance, and kind of like like the cat that came back. You know, they right. so. It's hard, it's tricky with animals once they've been removed from the wild. So the best thing you can do is give them the best life that you can. But right. I do love rehab. I like to rehab animals and return them to the wild. Absolutely. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Now, if somebody wants to uh, learn more about you or, or make, a, make a donation, how can they find you? So how would you do that, Mike Dragon Kennedy? Ranch. Uh, Dragon Ranch on Facebook. Okay. Uh, you can go to MikeKennedy.org. Uh, has links to what we're doing in Africa. It's got uh, li links to what we're doing with Dragon Ranch and then also just, just my work. There's just a lot of interesting things there, trips I've done and just whatever escapade I might be involved in at the time. So, But you also fly an absolutely stunning float plane. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, that seems like your toy. What, tell us about that. Well... Because this isn't this is an aviation podcast. Yeah, yeah, right. Get off the animals. Absolutely. Yeah, get off the animals. Talk about airplanes. That's why we're here. No, we have a Cessna 206 on Amphibs that we've had for many years, and Valerie's always kind of joking. I don't even think it was really jokingly, but she always keeps hoping I'm gonna get over my seaplane kick and get us a traveling airplane again because <laughs> float planes are so slow, you know. Well, you got to fly down to the Keys, though. Yeah, you still yeah. Have your, yeah. You still have your place down the Keys. Yep, sure oh, do. Great, great. Yeah. You were able to yeah. get that taken care of after the hurricanes boy you know it took us two years to put that thing back together after irma we got tore the ocean came right through our house i mean it wow. just blew everything in the house right out the back wall it it, it was rough i was lucky our place in key largo was was oh, half boy. built windows were in doors were in the roof was on dried in half of the metal roof was on but um i didn't have soffits and i think that's what saved my house oh, yes. oh, because after after the storm i shoveled i shoveled a garbage can, two garbage cans full of leaves out of the inside of the house. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. Well, it's a storm so, surge that gets lucky. you. Yeah, you no. know, the, the, you can handle a lot of wind, but when the ocean comes through the house, it, it's no. it's done. I know that when the hurricanes come, Mike is very busy moving airplanes around for people because everybody's yeah. trying to get their airplanes out. You know, Learjets to Mexico, or I, we had this one gentleman uh, call. He had a 206 in the Bahamas. In Nassau, yeah. He called everybody to get that airplane out, and and 
He called begging me to come get it, and man, I really wanted it. It was a very late model, super nice 206 on floats. And I was literally in Fort Lauderdale getting in a Lear 60 heading for Cancun. The owner lived there, and I was taking his airplane there. And I, I just couldn't do it. And uh. called I called him later after the hurricane. And the only reason he couldn't move it, he was in Europe at the time. He couldn't get right. back soon enough. And I called him and said, did you get somebody to get the air, airplane out of there? And he said, no, it had been destroyed. Oh, uh, I was sick yeah. about it. So that's actually, you know, stealing airplanes is just part of what you do. You are, you're, what, ATP or you're? Oh, yeah. You're yeah. an ATP. You, yeah. you make your living flying planes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not yeah. just not just repoing planes. But oh, you, no. You know, because I've seen pictures of you in your nice captain's uniform. <laughs> Valerie's, Valerie drools, I know. <laughs> and so you actually fly for a living. You're, oh, you're, yeah. You're yeah. a pilot for hire. Yeah. So Mike was going to take an airplane... Uh, Let's see. It was in the height of COVID, and you were going to deliver an airplane to. Uh, I had a Lear 60XR that needed to go to Morocco. It's yes. just been within the last month, and then while I was there, in fact, right after I got that job, somebody called and had a Hawker 900 XP, and I'm I'm typed in both of those, and it was in uh, Johannesburg. So well, that's convenient. I can drop one in Morocco and head down to South Africa, and then bring the the Hawker back. And I, I go back and forth across the North Atlantic a lot. I bring a lot of airplanes out of Europe. And, but there yeah. are extra challenges with COVID. Yeah. We've right had now it's super complicated. a lot of countries that you couldn't get fuel or, or they well, wouldn't let you in. They, re- they require 14-day quarantines or they want a COVID test that's less than 48 hours old. And I mean, wow. it takes me that long just to get there flying an airplane over there. So, yeah, it's been real difficult. And it's a moving target all the time. I use Universal to help me with my flight planning. And uh, even them, it's like, man, we get it all laid out. And by tomorrow, it's all new set of requirements. So it's been wow. real difficult. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, that's Mike, great. also, because um, we talk about the animals and how he's put his aviation to work for the animals, he's also done uh, a lot of relief work. Like in the Bahamas, I don't think we realize how devastated the people were over there because that hurricane just sat out there for... Yeah, oh, yeah. I went over I, there the day after Dorian came through. I was one of the yeah. first airplanes on the ground in Marsh Harbor. It looked like Hiroshima. I, I've been going there... Gosh, 30 years and yeah. it's gone. It's but, absolutely but, yeah, but we we flew a lot of relief. Me- I was flying a, a, a Cessna Conquest back and forth. And I, we were one of the first airplanes in there, and we flew a lot of. I was fly, flying relief workers and medical medical personnel over, and then refugees out, and we flew every day for a couple of weeks. And wow, yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, I, I you know I, I'm in South Florida. I'm in, you know just below West Palm Beach, a little bird called Hypoluxo. Oh, nice. <clears throat> and I know how bad and terrifying it is for us when a storm passes. Yeah. I cannot imagine what those poor people went through when that storm oh, sat on them for, what, four days? Yeah, 200 yeah. mile an hour plus oh, winds, yeah. and it just sat there. Yeah, it, and so yeah. thank you for everything that you do. we got about two minutes here. I'm going to let Carl ask a couple of questions oh, maybe. Sure, or, uh, sure uh, yeah. Actually, uh, we want to remind people, we're speaking with Mike Kennedy and his lovely uh, wife, uh, Val. Valerie. And, uh, you know, a lot of some folks are, are pretty young here listening. And Airplane Repo, don't forget to support Airplane Repo because <laughs> that actually is going to support you guys and all the, yep. that you do. I really appreciate what you do in the Abacos, having been there for quite some time. Uh, most of the communication I, I had with the folks down there other than satellite radios was through the internet and facebook and it truly was devastating i was in green turtle key and that's where i, I was living in that and it actually has been wonderful to see people like you help out the people and also what you do to help out the animals but one thing we can do 
us, the listeners here, is, is go out and support you folks because everything that you do and the more you can make, the more you can help support the animals and the people. And to do that, go to discovery.com and, and suggest that they yep, should put yep. Airplane Repo back on because it's been a few years. Yep, and sure and you truly use it as a tool. But I also want to mention your website, your other website, MikeKennedy.org. Yep. MikeKennedy.org, where you do so much for the animals and for the people. And there's so many things we could, we could sit here for hours and talk about <laughs> what you do. But you use this tool, this airplane, both for entertainment and also saving people sure saving animals and that's what we really truly appreciate about you and also what you do well, thank you so much and we're so glad to be here it's so nice to be back with our aviation family it, i mean everyone you can see they're just so happy to be in florida and to be at sun and fun and we Gosh, came how about this crowd i can't oh, it's, it's amazing i was not it's expecting this no i don't i don't think anybody was we got 30 seconds left mike Kennedy.org. That's it. Everybody knows Mike Kennedy from Airplane Repo. We won't. Dragon Ranch. Uh, oh, Dragon Ranch is, is a Facebook page. Dragon Ranch on Facebook. Yep. Okay. Facebook, Dragon Ranch. Yep. Mike Kennedy.org. Go to Discovery. Tell them you want Airplane Repo back. But if you want to reach out and help them directly, Mike Kennedy.org. Guys, it's such a great pleasure having you back, seeing you again. We have to cut to a commercial. Radar, take it away. Welcome back to the deck. This is a special edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast live here at Sun and Fun Radio, liveatc.net slash SNF. You're listening on 1510, and also you're listening as a podcast. Joining me on the deck right now is Russ Wazleski. Russ, welcome back. I am back. Yes, I, I'm glad you had a good chat about Airplane Repo and Dragon Ranch. Dragon Ranch Dragon and Ranch, all that yes. they do with the animals throughout yes. the using aviation to help people and to help animals. Right, right. And Good also jo joining us, too, is uh, Tom. Tom, uh, welcome back. And uh, I know uh, you've had, uh, you were able to meet uh, our friend that came on here before. So uh, that's Mike Kennedy. Uh, Tom, we're going to talk a little bit about inspiring young aviators. And, um, you know, this has been such a great show. I, you know what? I really wish you were here right now. I really wish I was there, too. <laughs> but um, I really appreciated the, uh, the, the last interview. Um, you know, Mike and, and uh, Valerie do some awesome stuff, and, and uh, it was good to hear them again. Yeah, they sure do. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I mentioned off air to, to Mike and Valerie is the fact that they truly do inspire people uh, through their actions, and they inspire a lot of younger folks getting into aviation. And, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about next. You know, what, what is it we as pilots and not necessarily the pilots but just you know citizens of the world do what can we do to inspire young aviators you know both to pursue aviation careers but also to pursue aviation as a hobby and uh, and a lot of times when we talk about this we talk about what are the benefits to us as as both a career and also as a hobby um, I really want to focus on on the the hobby side of things uh, because uh, I think we do focus on careers. And by the way, we're here at Sun and Fun. And if you are here, uh, your ticket price actually most of that goes towards supporting all the programs that they have here at Sun and Fun and Ace. There's a high school. They have scholarships, and they have many outreach programs through STEM, science, technology, engineering. And math. So we're going to get to that topic. We're also going to be bringing uh, on some uh, other folks uh, during this interview to talk a little bit about inspiring uh, youth in aviation. One of the things that I think we need to do and use Mike Kennedy as an example is become a good example of, of inspiring aviators. And, and what do I mean by that? Um, one of the points I wanted to make tonight is the fact that 
through our actions and through our words, we can inspire those that might want to get into aviation because we, when, if we come home and we look excited and we are happy and we are well you know, rested or, or we speak you know, fondly of our airplane, someday they're going to want to find out, those youth, about airplanes and what we're doing in aviation. So I know I do. I'm, I'm an advocate for that. Uh, and, but if you come home grumpy every day and say, darn, I had to fly an airplane again, uh, you're probably going to turn them off, aren't you? You know, my daughter, 13-year-old Piper. Piper. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Has, has laughed at me many times and she's you know after I, I got come back home from a trip or flight or whatever and I'm, I'm telling them about it and I'm acting just like I am right now I'm right like, oh it was great we you know the, the clouds or the sunset or whatever and she looks at me it's like dad you are so excited about this it's it's yeah. neat to see you know and 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 it's true I mean we you know, I, I could come up oh, it's another this long slog and I'm glad to be done, you know, and who wants to take up that kind of hobby or career or whatever. But, you know, if you're excited, it's infectious, isn't it? Yes, it sure is. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I people say about us, especially on the podcast, is the fact that we're always excited when we come on here. And we've been doing it for a few years. I know we've been <laughs> flying years, for a yeah. while. Uh, you know, decades. And yeah, I still love coming out here to the airport. You know, we just had a get together with about 100 pilots from the airline that I work for. And you know what? They were all pretty. And you came with me as my date, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and they were all excited. <laughs> yes, I, I was your date, Carl. <laughs> Rachel does know. Yeah, does she? Okay, yeah, I was going to say. Know, so it's okay. Uh, but you're right. Um, you know, quite honestly, you know, I mean, I, I am not an airline pilot, but my view of a lot of airline pilots is they're, you know, just, it's a job. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are some to oh, which sure. it is just a job. But the ones I saw the other night, you know, they were they were excited. There were people that are you know <laughs> flying seaplanes around and you know flying Cherokees and all this kind of stuff. They're yeah, still absolutely. involved in aviation. Yeah, and and that's what's really funny is that, uh, and that's why we call it the country club and the country club life as far as pilots are concerned is we fly these big airplanes up high, so that we can come home and fly these little planes down low, and that's truly the country club life as Sounds an aviator. Sounds okay to me. Yeah, and and boy, I tell you, and they do. And some people, you know, I I'll, okay, I'll be honest. Some people at work do say to me, says you're crazy. Why do you come back and fly little airplanes you know and i'll tell them because i love doing it that's totally different the one thing and and i want to click just kind of make this point the reason i fly small airplanes is that i love the views and i love the sense of freedom i love the views and the sense of freedom as far as small airplanes are concerned that's for me i mean it sounds really simple I like to watch the sunset from the air i like to watch the manatees uh that that is a, a big one for me and I, you know, yeah, I like doing aerobatics. I like, I like the challenge. I get the challenge at work. I don't really need that. But it really is, it, it, it's something that appeals to my sense of sight, sound, smell, and all those things. And it's so darn exciting. You know, as a youth getting into aviation and inspiring youth to get into aviation, one of the reasons that it's so important in their lives is that it, it helps them. It helps build their self-esteem, too. And I hope you're going to do that with Piper someday and have her, her get out there to the airport. I've seen so many people change because they got a, their pilot certificate. I mean, I'm sure you've seen them, too. I had a, a young man. Um, he was at our college. He went out and got his private pilot certificate, thought he couldn't do it, wound up becoming uh, a uh, actually a captain of our flight team which is absolutely awesome great and the reason being is he said and he was had no self-confidence i felt in the beginning and the reason that he did that is he saw my enthusiasm just like he sees russ's and just like he sees tom's 
Yeah, I, I, that's that's a great point, Carl. Uh, just just the infectiousness uh, of enthusiasm and such, and and we've seen here at Sun and Fun. I mean, I've seen all kinds of of youth that are involved in aviation. Uh, I was down uh, at the workshops. I think it was yesterday. And it was a big group of Civil Air Patrol cadets. So you know, they're mm -hmm. all teenagers, and they're all. Uh, welding or banging on metal or you know making wing ribs and that kind of stuff and so that was good to see there are a lot of activities here that that are appealing to the youth uh, lots of different organizations there's a lot of focus on this and I think you wanted to kind of stress doing this as a hobby uh, you know because we you're right we do talk about getting youth into aviation as a career and stuff right. but uh, as far as a hobby one of the great things that I think about aviation is it touches so many other fields I mean I mean, aviation is a very, very, very broad term, of course. But, you know, I, well, this morning I made a wing rib, okay? Uh, what did that ha I got, I did some woodwork, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I worked with my hands, you know? I, oh, you actually made that I, I made that, yes, the one I showed you, I made it. Oh, wow, I you think did a pretty good job, I, you did. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> I never made a wing rib before, you know? I, I, in fact, I never even made uh, balsa wood models or anything, but, but here I am. Uh, as an adult, I'm making wing, wing rib, and it was fun, and it was it was relatively easy to do. And you know, so if I could make a wing rib, it was you know a wooden airplane wing rib, you know, one step at a time. You know, it shows people, especially youth, that you know take this one step at a time. If I keep building wing ribs, and eventually I build other parts of the airplane, and pretty soon I've got an airplane. Soon might be a relative term, but was it hard? <laughs> No, it wasn't particularly hard. It was just I took it one step at a time. And if, and at the end of, for me, I mean, it took 45 minutes or an hour. At the end of that time, I had something. I had something I could put my hands on and show. And, well, quite frankly, I'm going to hang it on my wall. I think it looks really nice. But, you know, that one little thing showed me that, hey, building an airplane is not an impossible task. Okay? You talked about, you know, uh, youth not thinking they could do something. There was a guy sitting next to me at a table, silver, a patrol cadet. He looked fairly young, maybe, you know, 14 years old or something. He's doing the same thing I'm doing, right. you know, and it's turned out great, too. So it was not an impossible task by any stretch of the imagination. And so you get someone who can now they're convinced, ah, I can do this. I can build a wing rib of an airplane. What else can I do? You know, what else can I do in school or, or with different hobbies or, or, you know, focusing on my future? What do I want to do if I can? build part of an airplane, right? which seems a really impossible task. Man, Absolutely. I can probably do lots of things I didn't know I could do. And I think that's how what people, that's what happens with anybody when you see something and, and it's incremental. Just like you said, I mean, that's such a great example is that if you realize you can do that small thing, that one wing rib, that wing rib turns into an airplane right. that turns into a pilot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, Tom, I, I don't know, I didn't brief before this, but uh, I was wondering, do you get a chance to actually work with uh, some of the youth either through the flying that you do or uh, or just indirectly um i have in the past you know when i was working for the flight school i always used to love it when you know i would get a young person to come in because you know i mean i would do discovery flights for just about anybody you know and it's like to get somebody who's you know 12 14 years old in and get them in the in the airplane and get them up and flying and just to see the look on their face to have the controls in their hands is it's just awesome, you know. Um, that's one way that I used to be able to do it. Um, any other time that I can profess to uh, a, a younger person about flying an airplane, I will do it. And, you know, because I kind of wish somebody would have done that with me when I was a younger person. You know, I, I always thought that flying an airplane was something that would have been unattainable to me. 
you know, um, and, and didn't find out until I was later in life that it was something that I could do um, and could have done earlier had I had I sought it out, you know. So I always try to um, make sure that younger people know that it is something that's attainable. And if it's something that they're interested in, they should pursue it. And I could probably uh, get to that end pretty quickly. So the, what we're talking about, though, is how do we get them involved? And actually, you know, I just, the light bulb finally came on. We're coming up on our 10th anniversary of the Stuck Mike Avcast, and the person that actually started that, Len Costa, how did he get involved? It was through a simple flight in an EAA chapter doing one, it, it's amazing what you can do. The Young Eagles flight, just one of those flights can inspire someone to go into aviation. And it doesn't, again, have to be as a career. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, Len decided that isn't what he wanted to do as a career. And, and he's doing so much out there, inspiring so many people. Now, he does do it part-time again, uh, full disclosure. But that is the type of things we need to do to get more people, youth, into aviation and get inspired to go out and fly. Another way we can do that, and the reason I had someone join us uh, on the deck right now, and that's Max Flight, is uh, he has a podcast, and it's the Airplane Geeks. And one thing that I've noticed is that some of the younger folks that read, you know, they actually write in, they call in, etc. I think what you're doing is is another key to that to exposing more and more people to aviation. We talk a lot about the careers. We talk a lot about, you know, understanding the technology in aviation. The one thing I love that you focus on, and the reason I started listening to the Airplane Geeks, is is they do a whole wide range of, of aviation and the passion for aviation. And joining me on the deck, by the way, is Max Flight. Hey, welcome to the deck. Hi, Carl. It's good to be here. In your podcast, you know, we were talking about this, how do we inspire youth? And, uh, and that, that's exactly one of the things that, uh, that you do, but also you've been involved in certain events where, where you've seen youth inspired. I mean, through, uh, I know they've had these fly-ins and things like that at some of the airports. Tell us some of those experiences that you may have had and also maybe what suggestions you have to help more youth get involved in trying to inspire them. Yeah, and I think it's a very important topic for a lot of obvious reasons. But uh, for one thing, we try to really encourage young folks on the show. In fact, I think the youngest guest, and if you're not familiar with the podcast, uh, I know that uh, we typically have a, an industry guest each episode, but the youngest guest we've ever had, I think, was 12. 12. And he had some amazing experiences with United Airlines at their uh, flight simulation facility. And when we learned about that, we said, well, then you've got to come on the show and, and talk about that experience. Now, we have many listeners who are young and when they hear a 12 year old come on the show and talk about this amazing experience this opportunity he had it inspires them in some ways to you know also pursue their their interests so i think being open and, and welcoming and encouraging is important in ways that other youth can see you know we were talking before you came online about how we can do things by example, and we can actually, through what we do, inspire folks. And when people, like you just said, see that this person that looks like them, has the same age as them, uh, is doing it, and they're out there in the simulator, hey, it's like, maybe I can do it too. Exactly. And another opportunity where I've seen this sort of thing take place is at aviation museums that open up and sometimes have a special day for youth or even just part of their regular program have interactive exhibits and interactive exercises where young folks can 
um, participate and you know develop some interest and all and even at air shows I was a couple of years ago I was at one air show and I don't remember who it was but the Golden Knights were performing the parachute team and they had set up outside on the tarmac um, their parachutes and they were teaching kids how to fold a parachute and so the the kids were actually folding <laughs> the you know the golden knights parachutes now they probably refolded them afterwards but but it doesn't matter you know the the um, sparking that interest is important and it, you know it, it can happen in small ways in so many different places you know it's not oftentimes just one big program for kids and okay we're going to inspire young youngsters here today from two to four in the afternoon but there are lots of little opportunities like that for encouragement that's a great example and you know to add to that as far as a a small example of how one person can be inspired victoria newville is one of our co-hosts and she's done some great events and uh hats off to her for all the work she does but you know i one thing struck me one day while I was sitting here on the deck, and she's on the radio, and this young girl, redheaded girl, and Victoria was redheaded at the time, walks up to her and real, you know, real young, smiling, beaming, you know, saying that I've always wanted to meet you, and you know that that she truly has inspired her uh, to get into aviation, and that girl saw herself in Victoria, and I mean, didn't want to let her go. We see that too with some of the fighter pilots. You know, we see we we you know we talk, constantly talk about getting people, diverse people from all different backgrounds in aviation. I think it's simple. It's not easy, but I think it's simple. All we have to do is put out there more representatives that look like us that can get out there and fly. Am I too old to fly? Well, I'll, come on over. I'll show you. I'm I'm an older, you know, overweight, gray-haired man. It, can I fly as a as a young youth? And and sure you can. We can show other youth. Right here we have a school, we have a a, a high school uh, flying program, club that you can actually go flying. Can I fly as a, a fighter pilot, as a female? You sure can. Uh, you know, we had people out here that you actually got to interview in the F-22 demonstration team that was at the Holiday Flying and Festival. Great. And that, one of the things that I hear over and over and over again from these, these ladies and from everybody is that they love the fact that these people come up to them and they, they see themselves in, in that person that's in front of them. They, they're heroes. But someday might project themselves on them, and I think that's exactly. Terrific. Yeah, that F-35 pilot was Bayo, and she—I don't know how old she was, but I do know that my daughter is older than she is, <laughs> and she's—and <laughs> Bayo is flying an F-35 in the, on the demonstration team. I know. You know, so but we talked a little bit about you know kind of an uh, an obligation. I asked her if she felt like she was a role model, mm -hmm. you know, for for women, and. She didn't completely see herself in that role she, because she didn't really, in her mind, differentiate what she was doing um, as being different from what the men were doing. It, it was what the pilots were doing. Um, but we have to look for those opportunities, I think, to, to provide role models and also, I think, get into areas where, you know, maybe the youth are, I hate this word, but disadvantaged for some mm -hmm. reason, or maybe a better way to say it is, they live in they live in an environment where they're just not able to have exposure 
to STEM or aviation or these kinds of things. Now, I know there's some organizations that do target those kinds of, uh, of young people, but I think, it, I think we need to do more. We need to get out and reach more young people who are really different from what most of us here today look like. That's for sure. And, you know, uh, there are people that are doing that. Yeah. And it takes a special person to do that. Yes. And there's, you know, one of the ladies that I interviewed, she is now a FedEx pilot and, uh, and now flying a 7576. And she came, grew up right near where I grew up, Newark, New Jersey. She was in East Orange. And in East Orange, it's a, a very challenging environment there. Uh, and a lot of the folks in that neighborhood would never think about leaving in Newark. You know, where I was as a kid, people don't ever think about being able to get out of their little block in, in the city. So it is a bit of a challenged area. Um, but what she's done is said, you know what? There was somebody that inspired me. Maybe I can inspire others. And instead of going somewhere in the world, and she could live anywhere she wants. I mean, she's making great money. She can commute anywhere. She says, you know what? I'm moving back to East Orange. I said, you're what? I'm moving back to East Orange because I think I can help those people just like those people before me helped me. And I said, you know, wow. Uh, I was kind of humbled by it. I said to myself, you know, hats off to you. I'm not sure there's too many people that are doing that. But I think that's kind of what you're saying is that someone like that, maybe we can also do that to inspire other people, just the little things. And uh, you know, we talked about you know, young eagles flights. We talked about doing these things in the, in the cities, in the inner cities. And uh, I'm not sure I like that word either, disadvantaged. I mean, there's, I know, yeah. uh, it's, it's more, there's challenges um, in, in the city. Uh, you know, having lived in Newark as a young person, was in the Ridge Street Gang, you know, it's, it's not something that you want you think of as an environment where people would come out of and make something of themselves. But if you can envision a better life than sitting on the street corner and, and doing things you shouldn't be doing, you can get out of that. And if someone could show you, then you truly might be inspired, kind of like I was. Yes, sir. Well, you know, you mentioned, you know, seeing your way out or seeing your, your future here. And even with aviation as a hobby, uh, that takes on all kinds of additional things. So, so, you know, if you introduce somebody to aviation and you know, you, maybe they go on a Young Eagles flight or something like that, maybe they don't pursue being a pilot. Maybe they decide, you know, piloting isn't really for me, but, but that's okay. <laughs> we have lots right. of things in aviation. Um, but they, you know, maybe on that flight they're like, yeah, I didn't really like the whole flying business, but, but you know, I've got electrical equipment in here. Maybe I want to become mm -hmm. an electronics engineer or something. You know, I've got, how does this wing work? I might be able to learn exactly. how to be an aerodynamic and aerospace engineer. Uh, mechanic, I'm interested. I like fixing cars. What about airplanes? Or, oh, we were flying through weather or there was a, or we couldn't fly that day because there was bad weather. Maybe I could learn more about weather and be a meteorologist. So you've got all these things that can come from aviation, which is one of the things I love about aviation, because I love all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and it it fascinates me how much there is still for me to learn, and and all these career direct directions I could have gone in but didn't, but maybe somebody else will. And just that, that maybe that one uh, Young Eagles flight sends them off on a whole new tangent that they never even thought existed, let yeah. alone piloting. We also have a secret weapon now. We have a gateway drug to aviation, right? What's that? Drones. Hmm? 
They're low cost, yep. widely available. Kids love the, the whole idea. It's a great way to get someone started in flying things and an opportunity to you know, learn some things about aerodynamics, electronic, you know, all these other things as well. And I, a lot of people, in the, well, a lot of people, some people in the um, you know, manned aviation community have uh, you know, been kind of down on drones a little bit for you know, various reasons. But as a way to get people interested in flying, I think it's a great opportunity. Or, or aviation in general, or technical careers, exactly. or yeah. engineering, yeah. yeah, of any sort, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny be, that you said that, because I don't hear people talking about uh, radio-controlled airplanes and that type of thing. They're calling these things drones now. Everything's and, a drone. And everything's a drone. And, you know, as a youth, that's how I got involved in aviation. That's how I got inspired. It was going out there and building models and deciding to actually fly a model airplane. And and it, it actually, it was a, it was, I still haven't finished that model because while I'm building that model airplane that flew, someone said to me, hey, you know, you can actually fly those. I said, no, I can't. I wear glasses. Oh, you can still wear glasses and fly airplanes. And the rest is history. I just, I went out to the airport and luckily I had someone that was very inspirational who said to me, you know what? I get paid for doing this. Uh, yeah. And I absolutely love it. And that person inspired me to finally go out and try it. And I was hooked. And uh, since then, uh, it, it's uh, it's been a different journey. Uh, it's been challenging at times, uh, but just because I do it for a living isn't isn't the most important thing. It's I'm passionate about it, and you can be passionate about it too. And there's so many other ways to go in that direction. We just had somebody from the Kennedy Space Center and is working with helicopters at the Kennedy Space Center, and right. she actually said said to so many people here, "This is what I do," and and the things that we do with that helicopter that we never thought of. And so here's another thing. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. We just have about 30 seconds to go to a commercial break here. We're speaking with Max Flight and also Russ Rosleski. Tom Frick is online. And uh, we are trying to inspire the future aviators. And I think, uh, Max, you came up with some great ideas, and so did Russ and Tom. Uh, but we got to start with ourselves. We have to start with helping other people by going out and inspiring those folks. We are listening to Sun and Fun Radio, liveatc.net slash SNF on 1510 AM. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the deck here at Sun and Fun Radio, liveatc.net slash SNF is how you're listening to us right now. Maybe you're listening in on your podcatcher, too. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast live from Sun and Fun Radio. And joining us also on the deck is Max Flight and Russ Wazleski. And Tom Frick is online with us, and we really appreciate all you guys coming out here, volunteering and helping with the radio station. We're going to have one of our volunteers come up here, too, in a little bit. Uh, but to, the topic for the last half hour is going to be, and, and by the way, we're going to go to the show, the night air show, right after this. So, uh, so we're being told that uh, to be ready and stand by to cut over to the night air show. But Sun and Fun 2021, since we're towards the end of the show, one of the things we like to talk about is, is our experiences here and reflect on you know, some of our favorite exhibits, experiences, air show performers, uh, also the online experience. And uh, joining us, too, who's going to be with us is Dave Pasco. Dave, hey, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, uh, Carl. 
Uh, you know, Dave, you do a great job helping out. We've been been doing this for many years. Uh, quite the sponsor, that, and we really appreciate what you've done here for Sun and Fun Radio. Because if without you, we wouldn't be streaming live, would we? Well, I guess not. <laughs> I'm sure you'd find a way, but it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, I think this is my uh, maybe 11th year. Wow. Uh, actually, being here, and I think we've been streaming for 12 years. 12 years. Yeah, and you do a, do a great job. We appreciate everything that uh, liveatc.net slash SNF. LiveATC is a wonderful app, easy to use. You can stream also in your browser, etc. Find out more about how maybe you could help out, help stream some of the uh, frequencies online. We're going to talk a little bit about that in a second, but another shout-out I want to make to one of our volunteers, first-time volunteers, uh, Nick LeBlanc, who came down from uh, New Hampshire to be here to help us out and uh, is somebody that's new here at, at Sun and Fun. Hey, Nick, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. You know, Nick, this is uh, your first year, right, at Sun and Fun? Yep. And uh, and what we did is we roped you into being a volunteer, didn't we? Very quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been a great experience. Nice so really us, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, you know, you're new in aviation, uh, new to aviation yes, as, a, as a pilot. Uh, you're looking to possibly get into it as a, as a career. And, uh, and you're, that's the reason you're here in Florida is you're going to start your flight training. I am here in Lakeland. Here in Lakeland, Florida. Uh, who would have thought you, uh, you jumped into an air show instead of a flight training environment? <laughs> you, know, yeah. you haven't even started yet. I know, this I know, but <laughs> it's been a great time here. It really has. Uh, just the size of the show, the people here, the Cromartie with the volunteers, everything's been really great. Nick stepped up and uh, he said, you know, what can I do? How can I help? And uh, never say that, especially at a big volunteer event. <laughs> you might take me serious, <laughs> right? You might take you serious, <laughs> which we did. And Nick's been helping out with editing a lot of this stuff right here. So we really appreciate what you've done there. Didn't have a lot of experience in editing, but someone's helped Zero. You. Yeah, zero. zero. Yeah, pretty yeah. much zero. So but you can, trial you by can learn things here, right? I mean, if you're interested in volunteering, you don't necessarily even need to know how to do what you're volunteering for. Somebody's exactly. going to show you how to do it, right? Very true. Very yeah. true. Just have the will to learn and want to do it. That's yeah. right. And and he has done that and done a great job. But one of the things we're talking about, again, is the experience here. This is your first year uh, at Sun of Fun and this type of event. Uh, what do you think of Sun of Fun? Um, I think it's a great thing, and I'm going to be back every year. I'm going to tell you that right now. Awesome. Push comes to shove. Well, how long my time in Lakeland's going to be, whether it's only a couple of years, even in the future post that I, I plan on being here every year. When you volunteer, a lot of times you're chained to the desk deck here, and uh, or in the back for you. I'm chained in the dungeon, you're actually, the, the pod out back. Yeah, <laughs> some people don't even get to see the show or, or even know if it's raining outside, but they're are in the air conditioned environment. But did you get a chance to actually walk around, and what did you get to see? I have. I've got to see the angels twice. Um, I got to see the military jets, the warbirds. Um, got a good sandwich on the pavilion, which was yeah. actually a delicious sausage sandwich. Um, other than that, I can't say a ton, but yeah, because enough that I've got the experience, you know, especially the angels were important for me to see. Come, growing up in the Northeast, we never had the angels up there. We always had the Thunderbirds, so it was a real thing That's of mine. Cool. I wanted to make sure I see it. And I've got to see them multiple times. So, As, as you're volunteering, uh, you actually get involved in, and talk to some of the people you're going to be uh, working with in the future. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you're here in Lakeland, Florida? Sure. So you came to Lakeland. Uh, to actually pursue this as a career, and this is an actual career change for you. Yep, 40 years old, 20 years in the construction management business, uh, going into aviation now. Has this show inspired you more to get into it? 
Well, Carl, let's be real. I'm here because of you. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, wow. Your career coaching that... led me down here. I mean, coming from New England, it's not a great aviation community up there. There's not a lot of opportunities up here. If you want to train to become a pilot and you're serious about it, you've got to be in Florida. Yeah. Or Alaska, and Alaska's too cold for me, so Florida it is. Arizona's one, I guess, too. That's a pretty good environment. They, uh, it's the weather. The weather is terrific. And there's a lot of providers, right? Because I remember in the search, we were talking about this, that a lot of things in Florida popped up. Also, being in, in central Florida, you're so close to all these different training providers in case you want to go somewhere else and rent an airplane, say. If you want to become a seaplane pilot, you can do that. If you want to fly to the Bahamas, you can do that. Get some international experience just a couple hours away. Absolutely. There's a lot of opportunities down here for those willing to get it. Yeah, there sure are. Well, you know, we, we actually... Have Really appreciate what you're doing here at Sun and Fun Radio. We can't wait to have you back here, Nick. Uh, Nick LeBlanc, who uh, probably the next time he's on the show, I'm going to say he may be commercial pilot, maybe. And uh, I, I don't Let's know so. timing-wise. Yeah, uh, timing-wise, probably more like CFI, but uh, CFI, right? Maybe two or two or three more sh- years. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's cool. I can't, I can't wait to see you out here. I'm excited to have you on the field. That's for sure. Well, thanks, Nick. I appreciate you. Well, and, thank and you guys. Thank you, Kyle, for your guidance over the last couple of years. Oh, it's thanks. been pivotal in my life. Yeah, I appreciate it. I really appreciate it, Nick. Thanks. Terrific. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. You know, Russ. We were talking about uh, our experiences and, and some of the, the, my favorite experiences out here, and I think we talk about it, is, is interacting with the people and the people that we get to see only at air shows. And we said that every year. Um, we do but, say that every year, but and, it is 100% it, the truth. Yeah. I mean, but, and there, I, don't, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I used to think there's something wrong with me saying that. Um, but it's like the same meal that I buy at, at, at the restaurant, my favorite restaurant. I go there because I enjoy it, just like I come here because I enjoy all the people around here. Um, one, of the, one of the ways that we experience this is online because especially with things that in the past year happening is we've had to turn to going online to actually experience both shows, performers, and also maybe live vicariously through some of the other people that are out there flying. Uh, one of the people that actually has enabled us to do that and to bring it into our ears are the folks at Live ATC. Live ATC is is a really incredible product. And actually, you know, I have the founder here, and that's Dave Pasco. So instead of me trying to botch up what Live ATC actually is, we can talk to, to Dave Pasco. Dave, thanks again for what you do. And if you could explain to some people who, who've never heard of Live ATC uh, what it is that you do and, and, and what they can hear on Live ATC. Sure, Carl. The... Uh Big, the gist of Live ATC, it's really a gigantic uh, air traffic communication surveillance network, and uh, it's composed of radio receivers that are scattered all over the world. And we capture uh, CTAP frequencies, towers, centers, uh, approach control, basically anything that we can uh, pick up from the uh, receiver locations that we have available to us or that we curate. And we broadcast that live over the uh, Internet so people can receive it through our app or through a web browser. We also record everything. This is kind of the, one of the more useful parts of the system is that we record everything that goes through the system. And so uh, p- pilots, air traffic controllers, uh, anybody, flight instructors, can go back and pull those recordings up and listen to a flight lesson or uh, an incident or you know, any of those types of things. So that's, that's the, in essence, what the network is all about and what the product really does. And it focuses very just exclusively on uh, air traffic communications. 
And the air traffic communications, I, you know, towers, that type of thing. But it's also uh, HF frequencies. Like if someone wants to learn about how to do position reports, uh, you could actually do that on live ATC by listening to other people, right? That's right. Yeah, I have uh, some receivers actually. It turned out to be at my home. Uh, but we've had other ones from other locations like in Nova Scotia and uh, Australia and uh, the Philippines and other places that are kind of strategically placed to be able to pick up those HF communications, which can be kind of challenging because the conditions vary all over the place. Yeah, and those frequencies for those ham radio guys out there, like a single sideband, I don't even know. Yeah, it's all single sideband yeah. voice. Gotcha. Well, well now, Dave... Uh, you said liveatc.net covers all these frequencies. I assume all these receivers are, you know, gigantic, expensive receivers in professional office buildings. You know, for cost yeah. millions of dollars, and you got to have contracts and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> no. So, no, not so at all. yeah. So Russ is he's baiting me here right now a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the receivers uh, are really small. Uh, they. The largest they have really ever been is a tabletop radio scanner, if anybody's familiar with those. But anybody else who's familiar with Raspberry Pi computers, really tiny single board computers, that's what our basic setup is now. It's a Raspberry Pi uh, and actually not scanning receivers, although we use those still in some locations. They're little uh, what we call software-defined radios, which are little tiny USB devices that have a little antenna connector on them. They look like a thumb drive. And that's actually a radio today with software on the other, other end of it. What I think many people don't realize is that, and I don't know the percent, but I think a lot of these receivers are just in somebody's home. That's right. Um, and that, and that, Russ happens to be one of those people. Well, I wanted, to, I wanted to present that as kind of a case study because, you know, you said you record all kinds of air traffic control communications and it's great for CFIs and such. And it, if, if you've ever listened to the Oklahoma City approach or tower feed, that's coming from my attic, okay? <laughs> and, and the reason is because five or six years ago, I, I am a CFI. We had something interesting happen with a student, and I was like, oh, let me go on liveatc.net and you know, get that recording. I can use it for training. It'd be great. Well, I go on liveatc.net. I type in OKC, and it says, you know, location is not currently monitored or whatever the warning is, right? And I'm like, oh, man, that stinks. But I live pretty close to the airport. I wonder how this works. So I just clicked on the FAQ, and it spelled some things out. And I contacted Dave and said, Dave, I, I could help here. What do I need to do? And what he said was, it was such tiny little equipment. I, I did buy an antenna for about $30 and put it in the attic. And literally all the equipment fits on top of a shelf in a closet. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And by the way, somebody wrote in yesterday, and the squelch is actually open on OKC Tower. So I'll have to fix that when you get home. We're gonna have to look at that. All right. It could be the radio failed, and the squelch circuit failed, or the knob got touched somehow, or something. I'll I'll look into that. I meant to talk to you about that earlier. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Technical support right here outside the radio. Right. Right. (laughs) So so my point here is, you know, if you're going liveatc.net and a and you're trying to bring up a frequency for your area and it's not covered, well, you could be the solution to that problem. That's right, yeah. And, and the key thing to remember is that uh, receivers, airports, depending on how many diverse sites we have at each uh, airport, they can come and go. So the network is fluid. You know, many of the sites are very long-time sites. They may be up for years. Uh, some of them, you know, maybe up for a year while somebody's temporarily living someplace. So it does change. People have to be you know, kind of patient. Uh, that's sometimes uh, what some listeners don't really understand. So we kind of constantly have to explain that, that uh, the network is kind of fluid, uh, but has pretty good uptime and pretty good longevity of most of the receivers. 
Dave, so, how do you pay for the bandwidth for all this? So the bandwidth is, is tiny. I mean, the bandwidth to serve the large number of listeners uh, is, you know, bandwidth has gotten cheaper over time. But the uh, uploads from, say, Russ's house, it uses a minuscule amount of bandwidth. So it's low bit rate. It's all voice communications. You know, we're not, uh, you know, Pandora. We're not s transmitting music. So uh, from that standpoint, it's very easy. What's really hard is just the logistics of keeping track of all these sites and really getting things like antennas installed on somebody's roof or in their attic uh, and running a cable because they may have to drill a hole in the floor or, you know, something. So those logistics tend to be the things that take the most uh, time and effort. Uh, but everything else, you know, the system's fully monitored and... Uh, a lot of the uh, equipment fixing, so to speak, a lot of it's kind of self-healing through software. Uh, and where equipment fails, you know, we, we replace it. But we do provide a lot of equipment. So if there's somebody who may be intimidated in buying the components themselves, we'll loan a system out. Uh, and Russ was in that, you know, partially in that camp. Yeah. Uh, we'll just basically configure everything, make it work, and ship it out to them. And all they have to do is plug it in. Yeah, I didn't have to do any computer programming or anything like that. I plugged the thing in and I turned it on. That was about it. How do we go about supporting, though, Live ATC and what they do? I mean, you talk about this equipment that you give away. You know, nothing's for free. So, so how is it that we can help fund that? Um, so we do accept donations. You know, we're, it's a commercial company. We're not a 501c3 or anything like that, but we do accept donations. Uh, if you buy the app uh, on uh, Android or iOS, uh, it's a fixed cost, one-time cost, not a subscription or anything like that. So that helps us. Uh, we also have a, a part of the uh, the business that's a fully sort of B2B type part of it where we actually do large-scale streaming systems for major airports. So we're in a number of very major airports in the U.S. where we run these 24-7, you know, much higher reliability systems that are, are large-scale and they feed into other systems. So that helps uh, fund some of this sort of, I'd call it GA activity, uh, for lack of a better term, but some of the public-facing stuff that you see on the app and through the website, those channels. And throughout the year, you actually can experience Sun and Fun and all the different things that we do here, and that's through the help of Live ATC. Obviously, we've been talking about it. You can stream it live, liveatc.net slash SNF. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that works, because I'm sure some people are curious. Yeah, you're talking about the radio stream, you mean? Yeah, so... Uh, this started all back in, I think it was around 2008. Dave and I, Dave Schalbetter and I, uh, Dave is chairman of Sun and Fun Radio. We were trying to remember today which year it was because every year I come back here to volunteer, I never remember that. I'm plus, I'm off by one. You know, it's a classic software error, you know, off by one error. And uh, I was uh, one, I think Dave actually reached out to me and said, hey, you know, you're doing all this audio streaming. We've got this radio station here. We're on AM and we want to get online. And I said, oh, I... I can, I can do that. You know, I'm a pilot. Uh, I've never been to Sun and Fun, but I know about it. I've always kind of, I always at that point had kind of dreamed of coming. And so we went online uh, the first year. Uh, I wasn't here. Uh, volunteered to come the next year or maybe the year after that. And then I started getting more involved in the radio station. But that, that was basically the point at which it became uh, – much more widespread. The listenership became much more widespread because we were online, so we had a potentially worldwide audience. And another thing we're doing here is we enable people to actually listen to this and the specific the interviews that have been put out here by you know Max Flight, Russ, those field interviews, and also this live here. 
by going to Chats from the Deck, and you can find that at snfradio.com. Uh, so that's something separate, right? That's something separate, but uh, Live ATC, we're really focused more in the, the live listening during the, the week of the show, but uh, a lot of that material we broadcast all year long. So when the uh, air show ends at the end of the day tomorrow, uh, we're going to have a, a loop running with just all these interviews. You know, Max has done a ton of interviews. We have a great team of field interviewers. Uh, so all of that stuff will be on broadcast all year and chats, uh, chatsfromthedeck.com over the next week. Uh, all of these deck interviews that you've been doing, uh, you guys have been doing such a great job of all week. That stuff will show up on that website. So if you've missed something here or if you want to hear about a vendor, somebody, a performer, etc., you can actually go out to Chats from the Deck, and, and that will actually enable you just to look at that one interview. But if you want to get your fix of Sun and Fun Radio, the best way to do it is at liveatc.net slash SNF. I know we've talked about that quite a bit. You know, hats off to you there. But also, you like other things that are involved in, in, in that experience, not just the audio, but there's so many other ways that we can experience this. Uh, here at Sun and Fun. You've enjoyed yourself, uh, but we also see some of those videos. There's some really great content that's being put out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a consumer of some of that content. I'm a, I've been flying now for uh, 20 years, um, but I got started late. You know, I wish I was like some of these kid aviators oh, yeah. uh, that you guys have been talking about. And I, you know, I've been involved, I'm involved in some other hobbies where um, there is a lot of concern about the youth not coming in and getting involved and, and there's a lot of effort and a lot of progress being made. I'm a avid ham radio operator and we're seeing a lot of the same stuff. You know, you, you go to these events and, you know, it's a, for lack of a better term, a bunch of old guys like us and, but we're starting to see a lot of progress there and it's just really great. But the content, the YouTube content is what really drives it and I just wanted to echo really quick a uh, comment that Russ made earlier and, and you guys were talking about is this sort of vetting and, and being careful about and getting some guidance from those who know better to watch for some of this stuff, because some of the stuff's not what you really want to be emulating, uh, but much of it is superb. It's really great stuff. So what's the YouTube channel? Well, there's just a number of them. I mean, if you just, you know, we're just generally referring to all the flying, uh, okay. the flying videos, okay, period, sorry. that are out there. I mean, there's a plethora of content. Yeah, you know. I, I thought I was missing out on something Oh, specific. no, it was, yeah, it was a little bit earlier. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and... As far as the YouTube's concerned, and, and what we were discussing before, is the fact that it can be discouraging somewhat. And, and a lot of YouTubers, people like myself that create things, uh, we get a lot of comments. And the people that are listening, when they do comment, then people sometimes go after them. And that can actually be very discouraging. But there's ways to deal with that. And, you know, Max, yeah. I'm sure you, not every comment that you get is, is an actual positive comment. How is it that you've been able to to kind of deal with that psychologically and, and uh, moving forward, uh, you know, just being able to put out great content for a long, long time. Well, as long as we avoid any reference to politics, <laughs> we don't get hate mail. <laughs> the instant we <laughs> delve into that realm, it's going to come in. But, yeah, no, by and large, uh, it's very positive and, and supportive. Uh, we run a, a Slack group for the, uh, the podcast, as does uh, Airline Pilot Guy. They have a Slack group as well. And you can think of that as sort of a closed community, sort of a, a t Twitter on steroids, but without all the junk and you know, trash comments. So we've kind of created a little bit of a walled garden for that, and it's been, uh, it's been pretty helpful. 
But even when you get negative comments, you always need to kind of consider what's being said and the perspective of the person. Um, because there's oftentimes something to learn from it, something positive that you can take away from it. And besides, the way I deal with it psychologically is anytime I get hate mail and if you go back and ask them for more information or something, almost always they come back with, well, I didn't really mean to be that angry sounding. Or I'm really not that mad. <laughs> people, you know, people get carried away online. To leave off on a positive note, though, here we are, sun and fun, uh, last couple of minutes of the show here. We're going to go to the, to the actual night air show, which is always a lot of fun to watch. With a drone show. and a, Right. That drone yes. show is just awesome to watch. That. Can't wait Something, for that. Yes. And I'm sure you're going to report on that one for I the other did. one, the UAV Digest. Yes. Uh, Max Flight, UAV Digest, also uh, Airplane Geeks. And yes. the other one is... Uh, the PaxX Podcast. PaxX Podcast. Uh, what was your favorite thing about, uh, this is going to be the lightning round, favorite thing about Sun and Fun 2021? Um, as far as the aircraft are concerned? The air show. The general. air show, the F-22 demo. Okay. Twin Pratt & Whitney engines, the F-22, all the way. Russ, how about you? Uh, you know, I got to agree. I was pretty amazed by the F-22 show. And you know, I've seen a lot of air shows, but some of the maneuvers they're doing with that thing just don't look normal. Yeah. <laughs> they don't look aerodynamically sound. Now I'm going to bring Tom on, and Tom actually isn't <laughs> physically here. So What's his is, favorite part? What is your favorite part of Sun and Fun? It doesn't have to be the air show. What is your favorite part, Ben, of Sun and Fun, Tom? The fact that I can connect with it without being there. That's been my favorite part. This is the yeah. first year that I've missed in, what, now, seven years, and, and I'm, I'm really jonesing to be there. I'm, I'm missing you guys, but I think it's cool that I can uh, stay connected and, and not actually be on the ground. And we're missing you. So I appreciate you guys. Yeah, appreciate that, Tom. Also, uh, Dave, Dave, what, what's nice your Dave, favorite part in the lightning you know, round here? There goes uh, C-17 about to do yeah. a nice quick pull-up. It's, it's a dead heat. You know, I'm always a, I'm a sucker for the blues, and but the F-22 demo, uh, you know, just being able to power out of a flat spin, it's just it's just too amazing every time. You know, I've seen I've seen demos like that before, but dead heat though between those two. Absolutely phenomenal. And that F-22, a local hero here, hometown hero from Bloomingdale High School over there in Brandon, uh, Florida. We really appreciate him coming here today, uh, somebody who's really inspiring some of the youth around here. Uh, actually, my favorite thing about the, the air show is the fact that I did get to go out and see some of the vendors, uh, but it was also the fact that I got to interact with some really lovely people. Well, folks, we appreciate your listening today here with Max Flight. And also Russ Wazleski, Tom Frick, I'm Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast, where we appreciate everything that the folks have done here at Sun and Fun Radio. You can stream live, liveatc.net slash SNF. Safe land out there. We'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Avcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production. <laughs>